little somber there. Morning. 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 You guys seem tired. Don't worry, you got a long bus ride ahead. It'll be great. Hey, uh, Hume Lake has done a lot of behind the scenes for you. I love this place for so many reasons, but you've got so much staff cleaning your rooms, you know, cooking meals for you, washing dishes, running the program, making sure you guys are safe, putting these videos together, all so that you could come together, have an awesome weekend, talk amongst yourselves, encourage one another, build awesome memories, go down and just live your life for the Lord. So can we do us uh, can we do a favor and just make some noise for Hume Lake really quick just for what they've done? They put together an awesome video here, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, that just takes a weird turn that this dude dies, you know? Like, guy you're following, you're like, that's weird, right? But it's the reality of the book. As we talked about it last night, there's a time for everything, a time to, you know, to dance and to sing, to, to cry, to mourn, to laugh. There's a time for everything, and eternity is written on our hearts that we're longing for something more. And here, Solomon's written this book, and I've said it every time we get up on the stage, but we just can't miss it. The dude who is the wisest king of all of Israel, the wisest person as he asked for wisdom, he writes this book because he had it all, he tried it all, and he's like, this is pointless, it's, it's meaningless. Doing all of these things to find purpose and hope, it's pointless. Here's what it comes down to. Be in awe of God, fear God. Obey him. Long to be with him, as we talked about it last night, for some of you who stood up to say, I need Jesus. Because you understand a world without Jesus is just meaningless. Because he's the one that brings us meaning. And the only way to the Father is through the Son. And you experienced that last night, some of you, for the first time. And Christians in the room, maybe you're reminded of Life isn't about looking down and being consumed with what the world has to offer. We have the best thing. You leave today with the best thing of camp, which is the Lord. You go home with the Lord. You get to enjoy him. So as we talk uh, about this idea of fearing God and obeying his commandments, we've talked about what it means to fear God. How do we obey it? How, I, I'm telling you, as we, as we keep looking up, as we keep being in awe of him, thinking about him, obedience just seems to come naturally. You don't, you're not forced to do it. You're in awe of him. You're like, man, I want to know more about you. And you find yourself reading God's word. You find yourself talking to him. We're so lucky that we have the Holy Spirit that lives in us, those that are Christ followers. You gave your life to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes in and takes your old heart out and gives you his heart to allow you to say no to ungodliness and to pursue the things of the Lord. We have those things. So read your Bible, pray. Those are important things. Listening to what the Spirit's doing. What's so awesome, though, is God also gives us community. Men and women that also have the Holy Spirit, that have also read their Bibles and prayed, that they, you, get, you have counsel there. You have encouragement there. In fact, in the New Testament, the Bible says this idea of one another or the church community or body. He mentions it over 59 times in the New Testament. Why? Because community is very important to the Lord. 
And he wants you to experience community, to not live your life on your own. Listen, those that aren't connected to a local church, or maybe some of you who come up and you, you get a part of your church for one weekend, this weekend, and maybe you were there last Sunday at church because, you know, you got to hear some of the logistics to get to camp. And then maybe you'll be there next Sunday, but then you find yourself disappearing a little bit more and you're trying to do things on your own. And you find yourself year after year, you come up to a camp or you go on a missions trip, you do this awesome thing in community, and then you find yourself pulling away and hardship comes and, and you just kind of feel like lost a little and you're like, God, where are you? You're doing something you weren't intended to do. You're trying to live life apart from community. And God says, look, I've given you community to encourage you, to build you up, to sharpen you, for you to sharpen other people to not go at it alone. In fact, as we're walking through Ecclesiastes, it speaks to that. So here it is in Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says this, put on my cool glasses. They're magic, right? I can see. Two are better than one, it says. Because they have a great reward for their toil, their hard work. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone if he falls to not have another to lift him up. Listen to it again. You don't have to believe that it's true. But in your heart, you know this to be true. Two are better than one. If one falls, one will lift up his other. But woe to the one who is alone. If he falls, no one's there to lift him up. Verse 12. Although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two people come together, one might fight one and, and, and beat him, but two will withstand him. One person coming to you know, beat up one, it's, it could happen, but two, man, two would take out that other person. Why? Because two's better than one. And then it says this, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A cord of three is not easily broken. And we hear that. It might make sense to us. What does it mean? Illustration time. Yeah. I got to wait here, all right? My daughter bought it for me. Eight pounds, thanks, sister. Appreciate it, right? A cord of three. This is a cord of one, right? Just one cord. You probably can't see from the back, right? It's nothing magical. I'm not doing a magic trick here. It's just the Bible says a cord of three can't be easily broken, which would make then you have to wonder, what about a cord of one? Is that easily broken? Well, look, if we pretend that this weight is the weight that some of us are going to go down the hill with, Christians, non-Christians, we're going to have the weight of the world. It just happens. Hardship comes into our life. Christian or non-Christian, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So all of us are going to struggle with things. You could either do it by yourself or you could do it within community, right? And God's saying, listen, two, one is kind of hard. Three, a quarter of three is not easily broken. So again, not sure what this looks like, right? But we all have weight. It might hold up, right? But the reality is, if we are by ourselves and this weight happens, which is the reality for us as we get down? You might get on the bus here in a moment, get home, here's some hard news. Are you going to go at it alone? 
The Bible says a cord of three is not easily broken, right? This isn't magic. This is a cord of three. Three strings. One, two, three, right? It's just three together, right? So the question then comes, is this true? A cord of three is not easily broken. Now, I like that statement, too, because it says not as easily broken, which means three cords can break. It's not saying three won't break, but the reality is we have hardship in our life, right? Three is better than one. It's not magic. It's just the reality for you to burn it in your mind. You by yourself, you could become overcome with, with stress, with with sin in your life. And if you fall, no one's there to pick you up. But a cord of three isn't easily broken. Now I'd imagine if I shake it hard enough, right? If, if given time, three might even break. What about a cord of 10? What about a cord of 100? Imagine that support system that would come into your life and you into others when a cord is just strong. Not just one individual, a cord of three, a cord of ten, a cord of a hundred, a cord of a thousand. Welcome to the church. The, the Bible talks about the church. The, the, the Bible talks about a place that is there to help sharpen, encourage, lift up, support, love, help you walk out your Christian life, not just with your youth groups. You've got a church full of people that have different experiences than you, different talents and gifts than you. Don't just surround yourself with two or three people like you. What happens if you're going through something and your friends don't fully understand, but somebody maybe in college a little older than you has a little bit more wisdom of how to live that Christian life out? What about somebody in their 30s, their 40s, their 60s, their 80s? They're like, man, I know it's different, but here's what I did. And we get just to encourage one another, help to grow. The Bible's talking constantly about the church and the importance of it in the book of Romans and in Colossians, Colossians and Corinthians and in Ephesians. If you have your Bible, Ephesians 4 is one that I'd love you to burn into your mind here. Ephesians chapter 4 in the New Testament. It says this. 4.16 is, he, is, is the writer's talking about different gifts that we've all been given. It says this in verse 16. Jesus from whom the whole body joined and held together in every joint with which it is equipped. So, through Jesus, the head, who gives us all gifts to work together, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Is each one uses his gift, and we all use them, and it works properly together. The church, bless you, the church builds itself up in love. So not only are you encouraging one another, you're being encouraged as well as you're using your gifts. And that's what's unlike any other thing ever, that we've got different backgrounds, different ages, different races, different educations, different hobbies, different people unified around one common goal, 
glorifying him, serving him, loving him, showing him off, encouraging you to not look down, but to look up. As we talk about being in awe of him, fearing him, obeying his commands, we have a community of people helping to support one another and not going at it alone. I'll brag about my kids. Sometimes I got to force them to do it. Other times they enjoy it. They work, they come to youth group, but they'll also go and they'll serve at one of our hours of church. My kid, my boy, August, he's working with first through third grade, reading stories to them and, you know, encouraging them and growing their faith. My daughter helps out in like the two-year-olds. And I got a picture the other day of her sitting around. She's just reading a story, a bunch of little kids sitting around her. And it, it, it's so encouraging to me. Not that she's just using her gifts to build up these two-year-olds, but their moms and dads get to come and they get a little break and they get to sit into chapel and, and hear God's word to go home and infect their communities for Jesus as we're all using our gifts. Our youth group goes and meets at the doors and welcomes people in. Our high school group comes and serves food to some of our older people at our church, and we're building one another up, and we're using our gifts in order to encourage one another, spur one another on, but also point people to Jesus. Ephesians 4 says something so interesting, is we all use these gifts, and you all have gifts. All of you, experiences, gifts that God has given you to equip you to help build the church up. And when it says, listen, when it says use those gifts when they're used properly, it builds the church up in love. And the world, the outside world is in awe of it. There's a video I want to show you here in a second. It's quick. Uh, Formula One. I don't really follow it. But it's a pit crew that their job is to not just, you know, do one thing and then that's it. They're on a team. This car comes in and everyone has their own job, you know, taking a tire off, washing the windshield, putting gas in the car, whatever it might be. Each one is their job is done properly. It's not for the, the sake of everyone's like, dude, that dude's a good tire changer. It's like, man, they got to get good at what they do so that they get moving on that race. Back in the, the early 1900s, I guess the pit stops would take nine, or 68 seconds. That was a good, fast change. Come in, change the tires, wash the windshield, put gas in the car. About uh, 68 seconds to do, right? And that was amazing. Until over time, we've learned, hey, if this person knows their job and they're really good at it, we can be really efficient. Why? Not so that they get glory for themselves, but so they get their job done so that as a team, we get that car on the road. Why? Because we're going, we're going at it together, winning this race. So take a look. Here we go. Let's see what we got. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? All right, here we go. Ready? All right, so look, everyone's getting to their spot, right? They just got wind that, all right, hey, car's going to be coming in. You know, it's fun because you can pick any one of these guys and say, all right, what is this guy doing, right? This dude's standing here with a jackhammer or something. Right? I don't know what he's going to do. One guy's got a tire. Another guy's just fixing his gloves. Here we go. It's coming. Here we go. 68 seconds. That's the time to beat. Here we go. Everyone's get their tire. Move it off. Here we go. Put it on. Get out of there, right? 
That's pretty impressive. Can we back it up just like 10 seconds? Let's see that again. Let's back it up a little. All right, so look. Each player has their own role, their own unique thing that they do. And it's not about the dude with the tire. It's not about the dude with the jack. There's two people. All they do, car comes in, and they catch the car, right? They catch it, and then they let it go. That's your job? Yeah, and I'm good at it, right? Another dude stands there right in front with a jack, and this car comes. You better stop, right? His knees are broken, right? That's your job? That's right. I stand in front of a car. Well, then what? And I move out of the way. That's your job? You better believe it. And I'm good at it. And each one of these people, this thing wouldn't happen if one of them weren't there. They all play a unique role. And it's pretty impressive, at least for me. I watch, I'm like, wow. Used to be 68 seconds, now it's what? Under three seconds? Let's watch again. Each plane, their own, back it up just today. Yep, yep. They're all fired up, right? They're like, it's game time. The other guy's been doing his job, now it's our turn, right? Watch the dudes in the middle, he catches it, boom. And then, how about this? Get out of here. Go get him, right? And now, I wish they would high five. Dude, this was awesome. Good job, good job. All right, set up again. Why? Because they got to do it again. What's unbelievable is we all use our gifts properly is what the Bible says. We encourage one another. We build each other up. We are a support system that one isn't all alone by themselves. A cord of three isn't easily broken is what Ecclesiastes says. This is Solomon saying, this is important. Community, important. You want to go and disappear, have at it. But this theme has been saying, you want to fear God and you want to obey his commandments. You've got the spirit living in you. You've got Bible, you've got prayer, but also you've got community of people where we would use our gifts, young, old, introvert, extrovert, serving, encouraging, meeting people's needs, having a concern for other people more than yourself. And when we use our gifts and we support one another, we show God's love off to the world around us. Because people say this, wow, that's, that's impressive. Matthew 5 says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp a light under a lamp, uh, sorry, a light of a lamp and put it under a basket or on a stand. It, gives, it puts on a stand, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before the others so that they may see your good deeds and not give glory to you, but give glory to him. Isn't that what we're wanting to do, friends? Your life has been changed by Jesus. Why wouldn't you want to show him off? And he's saying, be a part of your, cho- your church not just because that's what you, you know, should do as a good Christian. No, 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 no. God cares so much about community and knows that's one of the best ways for you to grow in your faith is being surrounded by people that will build you up. But it's not just about you. It's about you bringing your experiences and your gifts to also help build people up. Don't just show up to youth group late and leave early. Be a part of it. Set up chairs. Get to know some people. Greet people at the door. Use your gifts, not for your own selfish ambition, but to build up the church body. Don't just come on Wednesdays to youth group. Go and be a part of your local church and watch your faith blossom.
the enemy's really, really good at destroying churches with gossip and hate and envy. This says, use your gifts, and when they're worked properly, it builds the church up in love. Oh, friends, if I could just grab you and just say to you really quick, please, as friends, as a church body, love one another. Isn't there enough gossip and backstabbing that happens in school and sports and all these other places? It has no business in the church. Your youth groups could be a place of awesome, beautiful community where you put away selfish ambition and conceit and backstabbing and, and, and all sorts of things. You get enough of that other places. What would it look like for your church to be a place that's built up in love of all different people and backgrounds? You don't want to be in a place that's just like you. God has uniquely made you. And he's given you his spirit to truly love one another. And as you do that, and you use your gifts, your experiences, your talents, you work properly amongst the church. The church body builds up itself in love, and it is a beacon of hope to the world. If you're a youth pastor, would you do me a favor and stand up? Youth pastor in the room. You've got some awesome men and women here that have dedicated their, this season of their life to pointing you to Jesus. All of you sitting down right now, you have no excuse. You can't say, well, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't know about God. You did. You heard about him this weekend. Well, I don't know. It's hard to live life. It is true. That's why God says be a part of community. Oh, nobody really wants to talk to me. They do. Those that are standing up do. At some point, you've got to take initiative, student. Yeah, but there's only one, and there's so much in our youth group. Oh, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. If you are a volunteer in the youth group, would you stand up? Uh-oh, right? Now you really don't have much of an excuse. These are men and women that are standing together shoulder to shoulder, saying, look, life was hard for me when I was in junior high. And they've now dedicated their weekend to sleeping on mattresses this thick, right? Walking into some of these guys' cabins with gas masks on, right? Not, not to relive the glory days. They're doing this because they're using their God-given gifts and talents and experience to build the church body up in love so that the world may see and be in awe of him. Friends, that's them. What would it look like if we all joined shoulder to shoulder our youth groups, our youth pastors, our youth volunteers? Because it's not just their job to show God's glory off. If you're a student, would you stand up? Now, stop. Stop and look around. Those that are Christians in the room. Those that are Christ followers in the room. It is your job, my job, our job to use our gifts properly to build up the church. 
building itself up in love so that the world may see and be in awe, not of you, but give glory to him. Will you pray for us? Jesus, thank you for my friends. Thank you for the cross. May we constantly remember the gospel. May we be surrounded by Christian people that encourage us. Maybe also surround or be, be aware of people that aren't Christians in our life and bring them to our church body so that they would be surrounded by your love. Maybe use our gifts to build you up. May we not leave on our own thinking we can do it alone. You don't want that for us. You want us to be together. Not to check a box. To say we went to church, we do it because we know this is where we grow together encouraging, supporting, strengthening, sending out so that the world may see you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.